Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan, and welcome home. Uh, hi, Fred. I've uh, been back for a week and had a lot of catching up to do. Well, you've just returned from that very busy trip to China, where you made a series of presentations, including a remote appearance at a conference in Greenville, South Carolina. What were some of the key points uh, that you that you can share with us? Well, I think the, the key point is uh, a couple key points. One is uh, all this business with respect to automated emergency braking and us getting that to really work well and, um, and be able to handle uh, situations in which uh, there's a stationary object ahead of a vehicle and um, it isn't confused. And uh, so I think that that's, uh, that's sort of the, the, one of the major um, uh, takeaways. The second one is, is, is really in terms of, of the progress of driverless and the opportunity to use it uh, to, to have mobility, not for, not for the individual, but really to, to extend the, uh, the market opportunity for, for public transit. I mean, this is really um, uh, what the opportunity of driverless is, <clears throat> is to provide uh, mobility uh, to the mobility disadvantaged, um, those that don't happen to uh, to live um, uh, near a transit stop or, or go to places uh, along transit routes, but want to go to places uh, other than that. And, um, and this is the real opportunity and I think there's, it's interesting in terms of, um, with respect to China, uh, a lot of uh, China has to do with basically bringing people from the countryside to cities. Uh, but one could also see an enormous enhancement of the countryside of the small, smaller villages or smaller towns in which, in which mobility and, the, and provision of mobility is the, is the key opportunity. So instead of doing it with uh, personally owned vehicles, um, sort of the way we did it, uh, we did it here, uh, maybe in a more moderate uh, density uh, environment, um, uh, a little bit denser than, than, than uh, our suburbs, uh, one could provide some, some very attractive um, living spaces um, uh, throughout China. Uh, as well as the United States. So um, it was interesting to discuss those issues, the interaction, transportation, land use. And um, of course, in China, since um, there is a, a stronger control of both uh, transportation and land use, uh, one can see them doing it uh, better and faster than we would do it here. It continues to be amazing um, uh, what is going on there. I first lectured there on automation uh, 40 years ago. Um, and it was, it was interesting to be lecturing on automation 40 years later. Um, it's, uh, it's like being in a different universe, of course. Um, but, um, anyway, uh, I had a great trip. Any, any impressions about where things are with this technology in China today and, and how fast they are moving? 
they they are moving fast. Although I got I obtained no information that they that uh, that a demonstration or an activity that's equivalent to what Waymo has been conducting uh, in, in uh, Arizona and in its own test facilities is is really underway there. Um, uh, there are enormous amount of interest, enormous amount, a lot of university research going on in it. Um, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, um, Alibaba is, is involved, uh, but, um, but it, it, they really haven't brought it out. Uh, the, at least with the folks that I talked to, they're still of a concept of this is going to be a personally owned vehicle, uh, rather than vehicles that are going to be um, um, uh, owned by fleets and managed by fleets to provide mobility as a service. Uh, so um, uh, they sort of still they have more of a European thinking on this than certainly the, at least the thinking that I try to promote, that this is really um, an opportunity to provide extremely high-quality mobility of service uh, to everyone. Terrific, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more uh, from you about the trip. Once again, we're revisiting Uber. Uh, following the fatal crash in Arizona back in March, we've been learning more and more. Reports now indicate that the safety driver was streaming a TV show on her phone at the time. In your latest Smart Driving Cars newsletter, you point out that it really doesn't absolve Uber of, of blame here. Uh, not from my perspective. Um... Why is why does Uber have any of those vehicles out there? It, their objective is to develop a driverless vehicle. That's what they need. And why do they need a driverless vehicle? Is is to reach a, a, a greater scale. They really can't grow 10x or or 50x. Um, uh, which they really need to do if they're going to be more than just a niche provider of mobility. Um, and, and, and to do that, uh, they would have to basically, uh, hire or not hire or have, have, um, working for them as, as independent agents, um, you know, 10 and 50 times as many drivers. Um, the, the, the big, the, the big challenge for Uber is how do they grow without need, needing, uh, more drivers? Um, and, and the way they can do that, and I'm sure the, the reason why SoftBank invested in them and so on was because, uh, of the advent of driverless vehicles, ones that can be out there without a driver. Because then uh, that that gives them the avenue to grow and and maybe um, you know actually be valuable um, uh, have a value that's equivalent to to what their uh, current market value is um, and so um, uh, uh, that's what their focus should be uh, that's their only focus so. What they were testing should have been driverless vehicles. But in fact, the, the, the domain in which they were operating when that crash occurred was, was a situation in which the vehicle can't be driverless. 
And the reason why the vehicle can't be driverless is because they had the automated emergency braking system turned off. And, and what that means is that you have to have a driver basically being the last line of, of, um, of, of, um, uh, observation uh, in case uh, something happens and, and, uh, and, and to basically apply the brakes. And, and, and that domain just is not a domain that should be of any interest to them. They shouldn't have been operating them. That, that, that's, that's a waste of their time. Uh, that's, that's developing something that is of no use to them. Uh, you know, a, a self-driving vehicle, a vehicle that requires a driver is, is really of no interest to them. So why were they there operating in that, that situation? Uh, and, and, and so just putting the, the, the vehicle in that situation, uh, with its, uh, automated emergency braking system essentially, um, disengaged is is just a, is, it's a waste of their time and and they shouldn't have been doing it and and if they did do it then they should have certainly alerted the driver and said look this is this is not what our what the bread and butter of, of our tests are which our bread and butter is to test driverless operation uh, and uh, and they should and that driver should have been uh, warned to be much more alert uh, because um, they were in in some situation that really they had no reason to be there, and 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 so um, that's what's so strange about the about the whole situation. In the meantime, uh, Uber reportedly plans to resume testing self-driving cars again uh, in August this summer in Pittsburgh, maybe San Francisco too. The company announced to, to employees a series of safety changes, and it plans, the, the report says, to share information with academics and all autonomous vehicle providers. You've read this report, uh, too, Alan. What, what do you think is key here? Well, I, I like that last comment uh, because this is what you and I have been calling for is basically that these uh, companies should not be competing on safety, and, in fact, they should share all the safety uh, uh, relevant information and all, uh, and so uh, uh, very happy to see that that they're going to do that. And what they should do is really come completely clean as to what happened um, in in the uh, in the Elaine Herzberg uh, crash and uh, and exactly why they were they had their automated emergency braking system turned off and and why were you, they were even testing in such a situation when. When if, if they aren't going to have an automated emergency braking system, that's not that's that doesn't have any business implication to them, any value to them. Um, and I think the other piece of it is, is I think that one of the things they admitted is that they've done a complete um, redesign or an investigation as to uh, how it how the vehicles handle. Uh, objects um, that basically uh, have the condition where the approach velocity is equal to the vehicle's um, current velocity. In other words, stationary objects, at least uh, stationary in the longitudinal dimension. Elsewhere, it looks like uh, Massachusetts is preparing to open up roads in, in 14 towns and cities in the greater Boston area for autonomous vehicle testing. 
And in Connecticut, Windsor Locks is applying to be part of a pilot program for what they're calling remote-controlled vehicles. Uh, it seems to be part of an airport shuttle system. And, of course, you've been pushing ahead. Uh, hopefully, New Jersey is going to be moving forward, too. So there is some movement. Yes, there's movement and movement in the Northeast. And it's, uh, I think it all might have all been spurred by, um, <clears throat> by Ohio Governor Kasich and his announcement with Ohio, uh, with respect to Ohio about a month ago. Um, Massachusetts, uh, looks like they're back on track and, and, and pushing forward. Uh, Connecticut, even Connecticut, uh, who knows? We might have some news out of, out of New Jersey. Um, uh, today, I guess our budget needs to be submitted or something like that. Uh, who knows? Um, uh, it'd be nice to see New Jersey come into play. Certainly, um, I'm working very hard to try to put together uh, a coalition that, that will really get things moving here in New Jersey. You have an interesting reaction, Alan, in, in the newsletter to a recent New York Times report titled How the Koch Brothers Are Killing Public Transit Projects Around the Country. And the article talks in uh, part uh, about the voters rejecting a $5.4 billion transit plan in Nashville. Part of the argument against it was that the plan was outdated uh, with cleaner driverless vehicles on the way. And uh, you've read this, you know about this. So tell us what your reaction to this is. Maybe, maybe the voters weren't wrong here. Uh, well, are voters ever wrong? I don't think, <laughs> you know, in the, don't, don't open that can of worms. Even though at times uh, some of us say they did what, uh, uh, but um, I mean I think that's a very difficult case, uh, and and um, and certainly uh, it, it, you know my personal opinion um, uh, that uh, 5.4 billion uh, put into a, a, a driverless uh, autonomous taxi system in. In, in Nash, in and around Nashville would provide an enormous amount of mobility. Um, and I don't want, you know, one doesn't want to sit there and compare it to the various plans that somebody has been working on for so long. But, uh, but, um, some of these, uh, light rail plans, uh, and, uh, you know, they, they really are, um, um, old school. And um, and really, um, uh, if 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 Waymo is successful in deploying its sixty thousand uh, vehicles that it now has on order, uh, then I think the Koch brothers are right here. Along the along the lines of uh, of this, uh, the Wall Street Journal this week had a report titled "How Driverless Cars Are Going to Change Cities." Uh, one thing that I think must have caught your eye is the line that reads. Some see an opportunity to create an on-demand public transit that gets people going and, and reaches more of the population, which is pretty much exactly what you've been talking about. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm really, I'm glad to see these sort of Sunday supplement or whatever or the various you know articles that go out there. You know, finally talk about these things um, as as really mass transit. Uh, mass transit has a bad name, and you know, with a lot of people. But, but you know, it, it really means that that in fact the, the mobility is offered to the masses. It doesn't mean that there are going to be necessarily masses in every one of the, the individual vehicles. And and uh, and this is this is really um, I think uh, very nice to see. 
the, the vision up to this point, and I pointed it out on a number of my talks in, in, in China, the, the vision up to this point has been that these are going to be personal vehicles that, that, that we'll just ride around in and, and we'll own them. I think that's a, that would be an enormous waste of the technology. Uh, one, we can't make enough productive use of the technology ourselves. These vehicles could be could be providing mobility to others while we're not using it. And and secondly, it just seems to be that, to me the kind of the right way to do this. Uh, um, having um, having a, 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 a this, again, my, I use the elevator analogy. If you take an elevator in a building. You know, we don't bring our own vehicles to go up to the 14th floor. Um, there are vehicles that are provided. Because those vehicles are provided, uh, the building managers and owners can, can actually charge rent on the 14th floor, and somebody will pay for it. Why? Because the mobility is there. Uh, so one could see that, that having a similar uh, mobility opportunity that is on demand uh, you use it when you need it. You share it when you when when it's appropriately to be shared. Uh, you know, one can see the Merchants Association here in Princeton saying, uh, "We're gonna we're gonna support a, a um, uh, the operation of a of a part of a fleet of these things, basically to bring customers to our to our establishments and take them home." Uh, why not? Uh, right now, we sort of stamp their parking passes. Well, why not um, just, um, if you want to come shop down to my my store, um, uh, make use of this horizontal elevator thing. I, it doesn't have rails. It uses the streets. It just happens that you walk down to the corner, uh, hop in, and it brings you down to uh, to my store. And then, and then when you're ready to go home, uh, it will take you home. Why not? If somebody's building a development someplace um, of uh, multi-units and so on, they may say instead of providing parking spaces for everybody's individual vehicles, let's let's just make a nice um, uh, uh, park and, and and play areas out there, and instead uh, we'll take that money and and we'll partially subsidize the operation of a fleet of these vehicles. So. When anybody in the in the complex wants to go someplace, uh, the vehicles are available to take them there and then bring them back. And so this is a complete, this is a substantially different way uh, to look at the, at the mobility uh, for um, for um, moderately dense cities. Uh, Manhattan's uh, you have a subway, use the subway. Uh, uh, Shanghai's, Beijing, you know, use the subways. Um, Princeton, Central Jersey, uh, Newark, even uh, Nashville, uh, Peoria, uh, and even Los Angeles. Um, uh, this is an enormous opportunity to provide extremely high quality mobility and improve the uh, quality of life, and in fact, do it in a very environmentally uh, uh, responsible way. Toyota is making some news, uh, donating uh, $100,000 to the Computer Vision Center to further development of an open-source simulator for autonomous driving. I guess the more support you can get for something like this, the better, right? Right, and, you know, and, and this is their research outfit, and they should be, uh, you know, putting out grants such as that. Uh, and even uh, they should add another zero. <laughs> we'll tell them you said that, right? 
Our, our friend Michael Senna has a report in his newsletter. Change it at another zero. Go ahead. Our friend Michael Senna has a report in his newsletter, The Dispatcher, that says there may not be much of a future for OnStar at, at GM. And he, his thoughts are always interesting to read. Yes, he provides a nice history of, of OnStar. And, and uh, you know, it's it's been around. It's surprising how long it's been around. And um, it, uh, it's sort of a, a service that... Uh, um, that GM put together. The, the basic design is really a design that, that that a fleet operator of driverless vehicles is going to is going to partially use uh, to manage the, the all the vehicles and get information and, and really do a, a vehicle to control center and back uh, communications and, and coordination. So. Uh, uh, maybe that you know the particular um, first implementation uh, that uh, that OnStar did um, has uh, sort of um, reached in, in its maturity, uh, but in terms of a fundamental uh, centralized uh, information management system for fleets of vehicles, um, uh, such concepts uh, have a bright future. The supermarket chain Kroger is partnering with Neuro for a pilot program in a yet-to-be-announced city uh, come this fall to have groceries delivered in an autonomous little vehicle. And we're really going to want to see the details on this. We've talked about how Amazon might be the one doing this first. But here comes Kroger. Sure. I, I think uh, they, would, they would love to be able to do it. Uh, the issue is... is uh, is uh, of course having the vehicles uh, be able to operate on the streets. Uh, are they really autonomous or are they remotely controlled? Um, uh, what's the density of operation that that that, that is going to occur? Uh, but uh, in some sense, the more the merrier. That are not trying the various uh, aspects of this. Um, uh, the better. Uh, in the end, uh, uh, providing the opportunity to, to get goods, uh, you know, from a warehouse, a grocery store is really a warehouse, uh, to someone's front door or refrigerator or side door or whatever Amazon Kroger box um, on the uh, next to the sidewalk in a, next to the mailbox. Um, uh, there'll be a lot of experiments. Uh, a lot of great ideas, and the marketplace will uh, will undoubtedly let one of one or a few of those uh, concepts emerge and and, and become uh, a mainstay. It sounded like they were going to have like a couple of compartments in these little vehicles, and they would open up when they got to 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 your house, and you could come get your your groceries that way. You know, only, only having access to your compartment, which can hold a bunch of bags and things right, like that. Right. Steal my neighbors! I'm I'm going to get free food. I'm going to steal my neighbors, uh, you know, um, bomb me or something. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, uh, of course. Uh, it, all the, those little details are going to have to be worked out. But uh, um, you know, everybody's very creative. And finally, we want to remind folks that uh, many of the videos from the Smart Driving Car Summit you hosted uh, at Princeton back in May are available for people to watch, and, and that's thanks to uh, our friend Ken Pyle. 
Yes, Ken Powell <laughs> came from California and basically videotaped many of the uh, many of the sessions and has uh, put them all together and put them up on YouTube. And uh, you know, if you can binge uh, smart driving cars, um, <laughs> I guess we've come a long way, Fred. And you can you can find the, the link to that from uh, from the smart driving car website. That's it for this edition. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on iTunes, Google Play, and more, even on your Amazon Alexa. Look for my tech reports at textination.com. We should mention, too, we're also on the new Google Podcast app. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.